Our scripture text this morning is 2 Timothy 2, 14 to 19. We're continuing forward in this uh, book together, this epistle. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to uh, a pastor named Timothy that he uh, was mentoring, a younger pastor. Second Timothy two fourteen through nineteen. Uh, we read it now, having prayed for God's blessing. This is God's holy and infallible word. Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is no no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenus and Philetus who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm Sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. This sermon series, uh, Building the Household of Faith, it's about the church. We're learning how God builds his church. Of course, it all starts with him and his covenant of grace with us, his eternal plan, his idea to send Jesus to live and die and rise again, his sending of the Holy Spirit uh, to work in our hearts, to gather all of his own throughout history and throughout the world. But a covenant relationship has two parts. And that means we have work to do, too. We have responsibilities as well, and we've been seeing that. Last week, we were called to endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus. We were called to compete like an athlete. Paul uses the word workman today in verse 15. And really, it's just worker. We have men and women busy in the church, not just workmen. We're workers for the Lord in his church, and we're workers for the Lord wherever we go, really, right? We know that. Whatever we do is as unto the Lord. That picture for us in these verses, these five or so verses, show us, as I have in the title of the sermon this morning, they show us how to get down to business, how we can get busy working for him. First of all, the call is do your best. Do your best. Verse 15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Anything less than our best is not acceptable. We're called to go all out in this work of building the household of faith. Work hard. 
And that's really implied in the word worker. The word here was used in the Greek of that day, especially to talk about agricultural workers. So we're called maybe to think of a farmer, a laborer, those who are really working hard to make ends meet. My very first real work experience was in the realm of agriculture in Southern California. I worked part-time for four or five years in greenhouses, from planting to trimming to watering to putting plants in sleeves to loading boxes of plants on smaller trucks going to little stores uh, or sometimes big semi-trucks that would go to Home Depot stores or other big stores. There were about 20 other workers at Twin Oaks Growers there in San Marcos, California. All of them were Hispanic. None of them spoke hardly any English. They worked. And when I started there the summer after high school, I had a lot to learn about hard work. The owner would always pair up people for jobs. And my first uh, partner was an older man who was really experienced at all the different, the dozens of different jobs in the greenhouses. One of the jobs was putting hangers on pots. You know in the store there's hangers on pots? Someone's got to put those on. There would be a table, I don't know, they were, these were really long tables. Well, you can kind of picture a greenhouse. There would be a table of young plants in pots, uh, the tables we had there would have, uh, they'd be 12 six-inch pots wide, which is a typical size for a, a house plant, plant pot. And we'd each start on one end uh, of the table, take a side, and go on down. And I would get further and further behind as my partner just went to town with those hangers. Um, the owner would walk by with his hands behind his back at the end of the table. We're like, he's way down there, and, and he would just silently watch. Made me very, very nervous, and everybody else there too. With effort and with experience, I got faster. I got better. And after a while, I could keep up with everyone else, almost, I I was told later that I was the only white guy who lasted there because the work was so hard. It was so demanding. And I'm kind of proud of that, that I withstood that and made it through. Most people, after the first few days, are like, I can't handle this. I'm out of here. God is telling us that we are laborers. This isn't cushy work. We make a big mistake if we think building the household of faith is not rigorous, that it's not intense. I like the language of the Bible here because, you know, some people in the church and maybe some pastors too uh, might think a pastor's job is kind of soft. But even though my hands are not calloused, this tells me I've got a manly job. No offense, ladies. Paul reminds Timothy 
God reminds us that we are workers, we're laborers in the church. We sweat, we exert ourselves, we go all out, we do our best in the church. So we're not ashamed, the Bible says. We all know when we've done less than our best. Maybe it's a, it's a school paper. You didn't have the time or you didn't take the time to do your best and you hand that one in kind of sheepishly, a little ashamed, you know it's not your best. God doesn't want us to turn in that kind of work, but to give it our very best. And as a pastor, I feel that pressure in my day-to-day work all day. I feel it all week long. I feel it especially on, on Sundays and the sermons because we're all gathered here. It's so visible. I, I don't want to come up here in the pulpit and be ashamed because I didn't do my best in, in preparing last week. But, you know, as much as I think about that, I've got someone else to think about. As important as you all are, there's, there's someone else who's even more important, uh, who we live for and work for. It's God himself. And I want him to know I've done my best. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant, Uh, When I approach him in prayer, when I see him face to face one day, it's something for me to think about, but for you too. Each one of you is a member of the body of Christ, called to build the household of faith here through your prayers, through your presence, your service, your giving, your volunteering. Do your best. Work hard. Present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. We work hard. We give it our all. But like we talked about in in August, I think can't believe August was two months ago already, but we do this not so that we burn ourselves out. Remember we talked about that? There's a real danger in the church for pastors, for staff, for elders, deacons, all the volunteers, it's possible, real possible, to burn yourself out in in the church work because we get that the work here is so vital. We're on the forefront of the mission of God in this world. It's so important. It's the Lord's work. And we got to remember as we do it, the Lord wants living sacrifices, not burnt offerings. We'll be in trouble, like we talked about a couple months ago, if we don't leave that time for sleep in our lives, for Sabbath days, for Christian friends, for inner renewal and caring for our relationship with the Lord. And so whether, whether you're a pastor, a, a deacon, a nursery worker, an usher, a musician, serving at pads, writing out a check, praying, singing your heart out in the pew, you do your best. You give it your all like a worker. We're talking about the church especially, but of course, God calls his people to do their best, loving him, loving others everywhere. All our life is worship. All our life is an offering to our great God. So first, we do our best. Second, we use what's blessed we use the means the instrument 
that God has for us to do the work, and that's his word. The worker correctly handles the word of truth. We read that too in verse 15. You got different types of tools for different types of work. A carpenter has specific tools, and I know so little about carpentry, I couldn't tell you what they are. A dentist has specific tools, a painter. You know, we even talk about a, sale, a salesperson. As a salesman, you got tools of your trade. Well, for the household of God, it is God's word. It's God's means of grace. So that's what we use. You can work hard at something, but you need the right equipment. If a dentist picked up a plumber's tools, I don't want to be the patient. That's just not going to work. There are churches, there are pastors, there are leaders in churches who are using the wrong tools, who are missing that God's word is what we're called to use. You you can think, you know, like, like Paul talked about once in the New Testament, that it's about persuasive rhetoric, the skills, the smooth talk of a good speaker, maybe Uh, somebody who's really good at telling stories, knows how to get the audience hanging on every word, and you can think, well, that's the trick. That's how you build up God's people. That's how you build the church and gather them. You know, we could think if if, if it's just the right building, just the right programs, just the right music, that's how to bring in the people. But you build the church with The word of the Lord. I mean, what else have we got? That's what we've been entrusted with. Our text starts with, keep reminding them of these things. And it's the teaching of the apostles, which is contained in the written word of God. That doesn't mean that only preaching is important in the church. But it means our relationships, our serving, our worship, even the way we do meetings and structure our church, it's all directed by the Word. It's founded on the Word. And Paul tells us in these verses we can handle that word well or poorly. The word for correctly handling it is The word for straight, it literally means straight. Ortho is in the word. Orthopedic, straightening out bones or muscles. We're called to make a straight road for people to follow. The word of truth rightly handled. It's like uh, this big, just imagine a big landscape. Uh, there, you, you, you can't tell where to go. There's, there's hills, there's rocks and whatever, but uh, the word of truth rightly handled uh, paves a road through that countryside so travelers can reach their destination. That's what we do for people. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light to my paths, is Psalm 119. The word shows lost people. It means you and me too. We're lost without Jesus. It shows us the way. On the other side of it, 
Paul says, don't quarrel about words. That's verse 14. Avoid godless chatter, verse 16, because it will make people more and more ungodly. Talks about false teaching spreading like gangrene, which is kind of a gross picture. And Paul uses it, I think, to show us just how horrific it is. How horrific false teaching is. How horrific it is uh, to be wandering from the truth. Wandering from the truth in verse 18 is actually archery language. And it means literally missing the mark. And that's what happens when we don't follow the word. People will wander, will get off track, will miss the ultimate bullseye, Jesus. So this isn't something to mess around with. We're called to give it straight, God's word. And that's our goal. That's what we want to do here at Faith Church. This is God's tool to save people, to build and gather the church and to bring us to glory one day. And then, so it's our tool too. It's our instrument. It's what we use. In the church, pastors and teachers, so like me and Pastor Matthew and Jonathan, um, and those teaching our kids and Bible studies, they have a really special and particular responsibility because they're handling that truth. And, and the elders of the church do too. They're called to ensure the straight teaching of Scripture and the elders at faith, what they do in their, you know, you have a district elder, you maybe knew that, um, that's to care for the congregation. And in their care for the congregation, uh, the elders are, are called to bring God's word into your life, into every corner of the church. So it's important uh, that you know that elder and have a relationship with them. That's why he wants that relationship, because he wants, you know, what we do here in worship on Sundays, he wants that to be happening in your life. We're all called to know the word, to live it, to share it, let it guide our thoughts, our words, our attitudes. We use what God has blessed, his means, to build the church. It's the word of truth. Finally, we leave the rest. That means that it's in God's hands. The results, the fruit, are for him to bring. Verse 19 refers to God's solid foundation standing firm, sealed with a twofold inscription. In those days, in, in building projects, a seal would be inscribed on the foundation stone of a building. God's household, the church, has the seal. The Lord knows who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. And so what you've got is God's work. He knows who are his. It's talking about our election, God's prior work, uh, God's salvation of us. We've got God's work. And in the other seal, our responsibility, right? To call, to confess the name of of the Lord, uh, to live for him. And those two things are always together as we build the church. God's work and our work, our effort, doing our best, handling that word, telling it to him straight, not veering 
from the left or to the right, taking people to Jesus. It's a big job. It can be stressful. It can feel impossible. People seem less committed to the church today. You may not feel like people appreciate you in the church uh, for all that you're putting in, maybe, if you're serving. Sometimes the results of the work aren't immediate. Often they're not tangible in this kind of work. Timothy was a pastor in the church. He knew all this. He knew the challenges. But Paul tells him, and he tells us, hey, God's solid foundation stands firm. He reminds us it's his church. It's his plan. He's going to see it through. And as God had the first word in the creation of this world and the creation of his church, he's going to have the last word. We're called to be faithful workers and then leave the rest. Leave it to him. And so we've got some pretty clear teaching on how we get down to the business of building the Lord's household, his church. Do your best, use what's blessed, leave the rest. Where do you need to focus this morning? Where do you need to focus? This message is for each one of us. Are you, are you doing your best as a part of this church? Are you digging in? Do you have any reason to be ashamed of your effort? Are you serving? Are you praying? Are you working? Why not if you're not? This is your calling. This is your responsibility. To talk about one specific area of the church work, how are you doing in your giving? The Bible calls us to give our first fruits. That's our best. Most any Christian teacher will tell you that the Bible calls us to tithe as the starting point of our giving. That's 10% of our income, the starting point. Have you set up your household budget in that way? If you're overextended, In terms of how that budget works for your home, it's time to get things back on track. If all God's people were doing that and giving all or most of that tithe to their local church, you know, virtually no church in America would ever be behind budget and have that stress. Is there any place else where you're giving less than your best? Not only in, in, in church, but in, in your life. What about, what about your marriage? Uh, your, your work? Are you, are you going through the motions? What about your prayer life? What about using what's blessed? Do we really believe that God's word is the way to build our lives? And it's really the way to build this church. Well, if we believe all that, well, then we should be able to point to the priority of God's word in our lives. And you think about your schedule and, and the time spent on, on whatever. Where, where is the time spent in your life in reading and in hearing God's word? And in the church, in our ministries, 
Is the word directing us? Or is it our ideas, our own point of view? In our church, you know, something I think about related to this is this really fabulous sermon discussion group we have. It meets during our Sunday school hour. And I sometimes wonder why that group is not packed out. I mean, this is a chance to discuss what was just preached with brothers and sisters and to talk about how it applies to your lives. This isn't a sermon critique group. Maybe you thought that's what it was. No, it's taking God's word and talking about the implications for our life. You don't, don't you think, parents, it might say something to our kids if we're discussing God's word while they're in their catechism and Sunday school classes? Don't miss out on this. God's word is first in our church's mission statement. Let's be sure it really is in our church. I mentioned one particular thing, the sermon discussion group, just to give one example across the board. And our elders and really the whole church, you've got to continue to keep us accountable as pastors to lead the way that the word is the tool, the word of truth, that we're not veering from the left to the right. Maybe this morning... You need to focus on that last thought from verse 19, leaving the rest, leaving the church in God's hands, letting go, letting God. I think there's a a real temptation, the longer you've been around, uh, to compare the church of today to the church of of years ago. Uh, There can be this sort of nostalgia, and you know, we always make out the past to be rosier than it was. That's just, it's a psychological thing. It's human nature. Some of us contend toward that, a nostalgia. And nostalgia is a sentimental longing or wistful affection uh, for the past. And in doing that, we can worry about today very much, whether we're thinking about the church or our own lives, thinking about our nation, the world. I think the best spiritual practice to leave the rest is prayer. Prayer. The only solution for worry warts and control freaks and workaholics is giving it to the Lord in prayer. Giving your burdens over to Him. The burdens of the direction of our country, maybe. The burden of the mission and the building of the church. No, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. He's taken care of it. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, and he'll be faithful today too. And he is being faithful today. With our sure foundation, let's keep building God's house here at faith together, giving it our best, working hard, using what's blessed, the word of truth, and leaving the rest. He's taking care of it all. He'll bring the harvest. And and that's the call for your life when you leave this place too. As you think about 
your families, your work. You know, maybe you're, you're a young person this morning and you think about your future and schooling and all these plans and that can be stressful. That's a concern. Well, you know what? Do your best day to day. Let God's word light your path in life and then leave the rest. Leave the rest to the Lord. It's all going to work out in your life, whatever you're building, when you entrust it to the Lord because you know what? You're his child. He loves you. It's ultimately about his work. We talk about our work. It's ultimately about his work, that he will be faithful to complete. He's going to be faithful in the grand scheme of history as we await Jesus coming. He's going to be faithful in this church and in each one of the lives of his children, even your life today. 